All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's Action for Everyone for this here, January 28th, 2024. I am your host, Mike Scott. I am suffering from a COVID, not COVID illness all weekend, which is to basically say I don't have COVID because I've tested negative, but I've had symptoms all weekend that are very similar to COVID. So if I'm not 100%, that is why. Uh, but nonetheless, I am here. I am here because I love you all to talk about action movies. I am also joined by my boy, Vice Victus. Vice, how are you today? Oh man, you know, I'm I'm feeling the the drudges of old age and decrepitness and sorrow. And you talked last week, like you know, the January, the 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 sadness of January. And I don't think it's that. It's like I'm fucking old. Like uh, I had to go to do some doctor stuff, and it's like, uh, oh, you're gonna die, you're gonna die, not as soon as we thought we you were, but pretty soon. So you gotta do this thing, and I'm like, oh, fucking thanks, guy. But yeah, so. All that is in my brain all, all week, all month, all year, for the rest of my days. But even with all that, I'm still kind of psyched. I'm so pumped. I did my 10K steps this morning. Like, I had my, 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 my no sugar added orange juice. Like, I'm feeling alive, even though everything hurts. It's a very strange feeling. This is a euphoria, maybe, is what this is. Anyway, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> we got a big. Beefy show for you guys today because yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 really excited to have this. Yeah, yeah. This episode is is big meaty men slapping meat. No question <laughs> about it. Uh, speaking of big meaty men, I do want to let everybody know. Liam texted us. He is passed out right now. He is like in the home stretch. Literally the final days of Warpath. He will be back in L.A. next week, so he will rejoin us next week. I think I speak for everyone when I say we miss the fuck out of him, but we're happy to we're happy to miss him for what he's cooking up over there. But he will be back in L.A., so he will be back with us next week. Uh, and he says uh, he he loves all of you for all the support that you're giving Warpath and for for everything that that everybody's been doing. But since we don't have our resident chief meathead we decided to bring in a couple of other big meaty men who can slap meat uh hired goons we got hired goons, goons. Uh, no 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 they're henchmen they're because ah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're true believers they are not hired <laughs> goons they are henchmen they are true believers we have first and foremost our boy brandon strysnake brandon how are you today uh, I'm great. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, filed my taxes this morning and was miserable doing that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if I if I have any advice to give anyone getting into uh, freelancing, it's don't uh, because <laughs> <laughs> this is the first year I've ever owed taxes, which is cool. But um, most miserable but, year of my life was freelancing. I, I really yeah. hated it. It's it's hard work. God love anybody that can make a career out of freelancing. Yeah, it's I, I was all excited. I was like, oh, I did, I did the most freelancing I've ever done last year. And then a tax time came and I was like, oh, now I've never uh, actually owed taxes before. This is cool. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I'm great. <laughs> and our uh, our actual human giant, our own vanilla gorilla. Andrew Gorham. Andy, how are you today, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great. I spent a weekend taking kids up to camp, so I'm like vice. Everything hurts. Everything's sore. I'm tired, but I could not miss talking to you guys and slapping meat. So, yeah, I'm good. I just like that. Um, I mean, It kind of coincides with the theme of the show for today and the movies we'll talk about. It's like, you know, like, we talk about cholesterol and taxes, taking our kids to camp. Like, this is a very old men show and the thing is i didn't well we don't necessarily mean it to be that way um it just kind of this is who we are 
But I think one thing I want to actually talk about the movies today is that um, okay, so like the theme of the show is like you know big beady men, right? But um, it's, like you know how like Liam always says like uh, dude is like a gender neutral term. Like I kind of feel the same. Like I I don't want it to be like a uh, oh this is the man show, so it's all time it's time for penis talk. Like even though I I would I do would, I would appreciate penis talk because health is important. That's that's one thing we want to we want to do. But it's not all about that. Not all about like dicks and stuff. Like that's not what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to celebrate, like you know, like just the, this meatiness. Just celebrate the 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 concept, the ideal of meat. It doesn't that it doesn't mean you gotta have like you know washboard abs. You gotta like you know bench five hundred pounds. No, 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 no. This is about kicking the most ass you can in the biggest way possible. That's what we're kind of celebrating. Just the the vibe, the 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 verve, the the the, the power of of, of, the, of the cinema that way. So yeah, not not just about dicks, but if you have dicks, it's great. That's that's cool too. It's great. But you know, it's, it's more than just that. So that's why I made that. I just wanted to kind of clarify that, but maybe I made it worse. I don't know. You tell me, Mike. You're fine. You're good. You're good. You're good. I will just simply say that that as we all know, having a dick does not equal gender. So everybody yeah. listening, that that this is no no gender. We're not a gender essentialist in any way. Yeah. There's all inclusive meat. That's what we're doing. Yes, that's yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's the name of <laughs> All inclusive meat. There's the title of the episode. All inclusive meat. Yep, yep, yep. There we go. Got it. Not just about dicks. Got it. All right. Um, the first thing we want to talk about, and and I didn't talk to Vice about this, so I'm kind of dropping this on you guys, but I know you all watched it. We got to talk about the Monkey Man trailer because that kind of blew up this week. Dev Patel, who for those who don't know, Dev Patel is actually a legit martial artist. He he is a black belt in Taekwondo and has been trying to kind of work his way into action for years, uh, is directing this. It was supposed to be a, a straight to streaming movie. Netflix bought it. Then they kind of buried it. Then Jordan Peele was like, this is bullshit and now picked it up and is releasing it into theaters. Um, this trailer... I think it's fair to say kind of fucking rocks. Um, Brandon, I want to go to you first because I know you, you started a bit of a kerfuffle, <laughs> uh, but I think there's, there's nuance to your discussion on this that is lost on Twitter because Twitter is where nuance goes to die. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the trailer and, and, and your, your tweet that took off? I, I think it looks really great. It looks, I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. Like I had no problem with the trailer. I just, it it gets exhausting after a while, like hearing, oh, there's just another John Wick riff. Or, I think people were calling this John uh, Indian John Wick or John Wick in uh, Mumbai. And then I had a tweet, you know, kind of making fun of that and started having people yelling at me saying like, well, you don't understand influence and this and that. And it's like, I, I do get all of that. It's just John Wick wasn't the first revenge movie. It wasn't the first movie with a guy in a suit doing gun fu. Like it, it wasn't the first anything. It's just that it's a great, movie and i don't know I, I i don't think it's wrong to compare things to john wick it just feels very limiting after a while and i i i, I i'm just i don't know i well i sorry i lost my train of thought there but uh well here let me jump in because I, I, yeah. I had a similar kind of similar kind of train of thought in my in my tweets and the thing is uh we we've kind of touched on this in various points at length over the past few years or so and part of the thing is, um, no, you're right. Like people say, well, it used to be that the every action movie was considered like Die Hard on a blank, you know, Die Hard on a bus, it's at speed, or Die Hard on a boat, that's uh, under siege, or whatever. 
And so that that's fine. You know, that, that's always going to happen. That's always going to be a thing. Um, but what I think what my concern, if you want to call it that, it's not a big, is that um, there's a very clear um, Donald, the John Wick franchise and Stahesky and all the crew, they never shy about the influences, the influences of the in movies. They, they're not trying to hide it. They're not trying to like, rip stuff off. They always make it clear. And I think that a lot of the, um, a, a big portion of what has made the current like, landscape nowadays has a lot to do with uh, specifically the uh, Korean um, action wave uh, like in the 2010s 20, or 20, late 2000s, early 2010s, specifically A Man From Nowhere, uh, you know, uh, No Church for the Dead, that, that kind of stuff. Like that stuff was, that predates John Wick, the entire franchise. And it's very clearly, oh, you know, the guy in a cool suit, you know, uh, the neon lighting, the, the kind of the, well, not quite gunjitsu, but, uh, you know, the tactical movements with martial arts melded together. That stuff was always, that stuff was like kind of there from the beginning before John Wick became, a, was, became an idea. And, it, you know, even, John Wick even goes so far as to overtly, um, homage that stuff you know like in part three they did the uh they pretty much ripped off the, well i say ripped off like in uh, they made an homage to ripped off if you're being mean the uh villainous uh motorcycle sword fight you know from 2017 so no, i was like i just wanted to I, I, i'm trying to when i when i write about this stuff i want to make clear that the uh, the lineage of all this stuff this is all an ongoing evolution an ongoing mixture it's not just this one guy has made this thing and now everybody's now that's the gold standard i mean it's not quite that like they we Every, like even um, when I mentioned before, like how Donnie Yen was kind of incorporating MMA into Hong Kong style action in a way that nobody really did before that, and now that kind of has struggled back into our current current action. But even then, at the same time, though, way back before then, in Lethal Weapon, uh, one of the Gracie Gracies was taught uh, did the fight choreography for that famous scene with the with Gibson. Uh, you know the the, uh, the climactic fight in the front yard, like with the armbar and stuff. Like, so there's all a cycle, a revolution, evolution over the stuff. So, like, I just want to make clear that uh, this stuff is an ongoing process, where the influences are constant and and, and uh, constantly flowing and inter, you know, each other. It's not just like you know, oh, they, uh, these guys, I've made an action movie now. They kind of they revolutionize action movies just by themselves. It's not quite that. It's like a whole process going on here, and they they of course they admit it. So whenever I talk about that, it's like it's kind of my point is that um I want the other those other influences to be known too, not just the stuff that we see famously here in America because that's our kind of uh, tunnel vision mindset. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, trailer blew me away. Like uh, I think our uh, our good buddy Matt said it perfectly. Like as soon as I got done watching it, I was ready to run through a wall. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Sweet. I have listened to that. I could just listen to the music in the trailer over and over again and get hyped. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had the same thing. And I'm glad I have people like Brandon and Vice on Twitter where I can just re retweet what they type because I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. And they said it so much better. Mm -hmm. um, one of my friends texted me and was like, oh, yeah, Indian Wick. And I was like, no, <laughs> stop. I will take your number out of my phone and block you if you keep doing this. I also, <laughs> I also have to point out really quick that our friend, I think it was our friend Harris Dang that said that called it non wick, which yeah, I'm disappointed that anybody else, the, if you, if you say Indian John wick and don't, don't go, didn't come up with non wick. <laughs> you're, you're invalidated <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the shots looked great. I mean, you know, uh, devs kicks looked really, really slick. And that's one of the things that stood out to me when I'm watching it, I was like, Oh wow, this guy can actually kick. Cause that's why, John Wick is what John Wick is. Keanu Reeves is getting older. He's had some neck issues. 
his kicks aren't what they were in 99 when he made the um, the Matrix. And even then, he's not a classically <laughs> trained kicker. And you could tell that Dev is when he's throwing those. Those lines are are like Jean-Claude Van Damme-esque, in my opinion. I know they, they, they don't throw much, but when you can see it, it looks great. So I'm, yeah, I'm totally in for this. It's one of those I, I totally, I may have heard about it before, but then totally forgot about it. And then when this trailer hit, I was just like sending it to everybody. I was like, you got to support this. And thank you, Jordan Peele, that it's going in theaters and not just to Netflix somewhere to be buried on a weekend and not be even, you know, promoted or talked about until maybe a day before it comes out. I'm still kind of reeling over the fact that I, this whole time I never knew he was an awesome artist. Like, I just, and like, I don't know why it never occurred because like when I see him in movies, like he looks, he looks so like lean and like solid, like, like, he looks like like he can fight, but it never occurred to me like. It came out when he was in Shyamalan's Last Airbender. That was where it first really came out that he was actually a legit martial artist because yeah. he was one of the only people in that movie who could actually fight. Yeah, I saw him in like that that drama um Lion or whatever it was like you know they, they really sad like you know, really like a crumb a crumb of asshole that was a sad like you know moving thing, but like in the movie like as I'm looking at him the character he's like I'm like he has huge delts like I, I it didn't occur to me like. Why he why he was so muscular? I thought he was just like, maybe he's like I don't know he's just healthy guy. But no, he was good can fight. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm just I'm so glad Jordan Peele exists in the world as he does because like his name has become a a brand in and of itself. Like I I think he's one of the few directors like you know we always talk about the lack of like movie stars but we have like a lack of directors who can sell you can sell their movie based on their name and I think he's become one of those people. And of course he didn't direct this, but I think he can use his name the way Tarantino did in the two thousands where, you know, if you see their name, like from so-and-so, you know, that like, this is at least worth checking out. And that's, I don't know. I'm very excited that he did this and and, and action makes money. I mean, not all the time. I mean, ambulance flopped, which I'll never get over, but I mean, beekeeper jumped up to the number one spot again this weekend. So like action makes money. It should be in theaters. People want to go see it. So like, I'm glad he rescued this. Yeah, I top zone of interest. Wow, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I thought the trailer looked amazing. I have a lot of thoughts on the discourse around it. Um, so bear with me here. Uh, number one is I have to shout out friend of the show, the OG Godfather of action discussion, uh, Outlaw Vern. Vern, I I have to I I get where you're coming from, but I kind of have to disagree with you on this a little bit, and let me explain why. The reason that I think calling it Indian John Wick bothers people like me and Brandon is because it's never really said in a way that isn't derisive. It isn't said in a way that is euphoric. That is, Oh, India has their own John Wick. Now it's, Oh, this is just Indian John Wick. And, and vice, you brought up the diehard on a thing. Here's the thing that people need to understand the Die Hard on a thing was a Don Simpson concept. That was that was the idea. That was Don Simpson's idea of how do you elevator pitch a movie? It's X meets Y. It's Die Hard on a. It's these are marketing pitches. These are not ways in which we are actually as critics or fans supposed to talk about movies. We're not like. Die Hard on a Bus was how they marketed speed. But as a critic, you're not really supposed to say it's Die Hard on a Bus. You're supposed to engage with it a little more than that. 
And to me, I think the problem is, is it, it it's a hallmark of lazy film criticism or lazy film journalism to just boil down a movie to something like that. Because exactly, I, I saw some people in both of your comments talking about, oh, well, it's a dude in a suit being badass. Great. It's a fucking Jean-Pierre Pierre Melville movie then. It's it's Indian <laughs> Lace Samurai. Like, it's it's Indian the killer. Like, like, and I'm not trying to, like, be, a, like, a gatekeeper. I know more about action than anybody. But my point is, is it's, it's a lazy way to engage with movies. I know it's a shorthand, but it's also a lazy shorthand. If you want to talk about this, what you talk about is this is the Dev Patel action movie. Like this is the, this is action slumdog millionaire. That to me is a more interesting way to talk about this movie because the highlight of this movie is Dev Patel directing and starring and kicking all sorts of ass. This isn't a John Wick knockoff. This is a passion project for a, a, film star who is trying to do something different with his career and and so i think for me it's the reductive nature of it when it's just called indian john wick that i really don't like i get it john wick is a cultural touchstone the same way that die hard was a cultural touchstone the same way that 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 robocop is a cultural touchstone right like we it's a shorthand and when i see it from normal people my neighbor, if my neighbor says, hey, did you see the trailer for that Indian John Wick movie? I'm going to be like, cool, no problem. Awesome. Look good. Looks great. Right. When I see it from actual people who work for IndieWire or Variety or Deadline or places that should fucking know better, calling it Indian John Wick, that's what I bristle against. That's that's what bothers me. That's the thing that we always talk about on this show is trying to get the Ehrlichs and the the people like that of the world to give action its due and not just view it through this very narrow frame of reference of the one fucking action movie a year <laughs> that they actually <laughs> like. Yeah, also Brandon, you're like muted. Sorry about that. Uh, that's kind of the point I was trying to make a few weeks ago and got into a similar, uh, would you call it a kerfluffle, <laughs> where people, the, the before Beekeeper came out, the reviews, there were a lot of reviews from higher profile publications that you could tell liked the movie. The, their verbiage throughout the review was that they really liked this movie, but they kept couching it in terms that were like, oh, but this was stupid and I'm embarrassed that I like this. And it's like, is Beekeeper a stupid movie? I think on some level, sure. I think it has a little bit of a galaxy brain uh, thought process to it. But I I don't like the way... I, I think it's frustrating the way these higher profile sites and publications and everything speak about action. It's it's like, you know, you know, we hear from horror fans all the time that horror is not respected. It's like, fuck you. Horror is like more respected than ever at this point action isn't and it just i don't know if it's ever going to be because it's like you you don't have to be embarrassed to like this stuff it's like we, we can say like oh yeah this is like so silly and everything yeah i get that like i'm not I, I think people thought i was saying like the beekeeper should be treated as like high art and it's like like it we should be discussing it in the same terms we discuss like zone of interest and everything and i don't i don't believe that but i'm just like i do 
I mean, I agree with. I mean, Me I, do, I, I do agree with you. I think we sh- we probably should be, but like, I, I I I have to say, I liked it more than Zone of Interest. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but um, understandable. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, but but I don't know. I, I I'm not saying that everyone needs like every single action movie. We don't need to respect every single action movie because some of them suck. Some of them are poorly made. Some of them are bad. I just. I don't know. I I think the way we talk about action, particularly in film circles, is like very limit limiting and it's frustrating because it's like I can find the joy and the silliness and all of this. Like, but at the same time, there's high level work being put into it, and it's like you don't have to be embarrassed to like this one because it's not John Wick or or the Raid or whatever. Like, we we can't keep harping on these same two touchstones that came out almost a decade ago. Like, there there has to be some movement forward and. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense. I'm just getting very tired of it. And I'm I'm glad that I, I'm very thankful for some of the work I can do that can hopefully highlight those things because it's it's been frustrating to to see it over and over again. This is gonna um kind of segue into well not when you're ready, Mike, but um we're gonna talk about today about one of the uh, stars of the movies we're talking about because uh there are certain certain elements, certain characters, certain archetypes that have no equal like when rr came out people were like well even that in that case rr is a pretty specific or uh unique type of like indian action movie or or action style but you know like um in general though if you're familiar with uh indian and hollywood Bollywood, all the various regions of actions you have a good grasp of what, what to expect it just happens that it's also excellent but then, like you know, so it's like that. I see the same thing with with this Wick stuff. Like, uh, they see an Indian movie, and they're like, "Oh, is this like a uh, somebody even said, is this like a John Wick or an RRR? Like, that that is such a <laughs> such a first of all, it doesn't make any sense. But it's, it's so, so reductive and limited, like you mentioned. But also, it's like um, they there are there are certain icons and archetypes like who surpass our our film reference, like. There's no really like people say like uh, I don't know like uh, Shah Rukh Khan is like the, the Indian Tom Cruise no 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 like he's been he's been on a high like way his scope is way bigger than just just like Indian Tom Cruise like yeah Shah Rukh Khan is the Indian Shah Rukh Khan yeah I exactly, mean he's exactly. he's he's in he's in a category all of his own yeah and I think that that that's kind of what I what I also what I'm kind of relate to what you're saying is that you know we I wanted to be able to like highlight these categories these these phenoms in their own right not just compared to our, our limited scope. You know, hence, for example, you know, like uh, uh, Madong Sok, Don Lee. There's no other hills out there like that guy. And, you know, that's 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 something we're celebrating. <laughs> I, I find it a little, I don't know if you were going to touch on this point when we talk about the movie, but I, I do just think, I kind of think there's some overlap with what we're talking about now and the new Don Lee movie. I was thinking about this the other day. We don't have the same sort of thing in America, I don't think, that I see in these other countries with like Don Lee or... Um, Maggie Chung or uh who or even Shahrukh Khan uh they 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 take these action movies as seriously as the art house movies they star in especially Maggie Chung like Maggie Chung's in some of the greatest like movies ever made like people talk about like you know like uh like cinematic achievements but she's also like a damsel in distress in police story and she takes that just as seriously and I just I don't know I I don't think we have like anything comparable here in America. I guess the closest is Tom Cruise, but he doesn't make art house movies anymore. Um, but but like Don Lee is in like the gangster, the cop, and the devil. And e- then Ethan Hawke. Also... 
Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Ethan Hawke yeah. is the one that Ethan Hawke is the one that 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 is that. They, they, yeah. It doesn't matter what movie he's in. It can be the lowest of genre or the <laughs> highest of high art, and he will take it exactly as seriously every single time. Yeah, and it's just it's it's weird to watch. You know, the the delineation of like, oh, this is high art and this is low art. When you have actors in other countries who don't make that distinction, they they take it like. Uh, I watched so close the other day for the first time, and you have Shu Chi, I think is how you pronounce her name. And she's in Millennium Mambo, which is like an art house masterpiece, but she's also kicking the shit out of Karen Mock in so close. It's like, I don't know. It's and it's... she and she got her start in category three titty movies. Exactly. Like, like, like that's like she's literally like one of the most amazing actresses that's ever lived. It's it's unreal. It's I just yeah, I think that's part of the reason why we don't have that i think that's why the discourse is so like fractured here because we don't have a lot of the same kind of like huge movie stars like jumping into each like genre of film i guess the way other countries do and i was thinking about that uh today watching the movie we're going to talk about well and that's actually you know i brought up ethan hawk the two i would say are ethan hawk and jake gyllenhaal but nobody's gonna call them movie stars really yeah. i mean they're they're exceptionally good actors but they're they're not they're not chris hemsworth they're not tom cruise they're not you know ethan hawk's not opening a movie to a hundred million dollars jake gyllenhaal's latest gets sent to fucking amazon even though it looks awesome right like like right. you know uh and so the two that i think really understand that concept they're not at a Shrew Khan level, uh, which I wish they would be. I think I think movies would be better if we had more Hawks and Chillin' Halls. But Andy, your thoughts on that? Oh, I was just going to go back to one of the quick things about action and why we shouldn't feel bad about liking it and stuff like that. And it's one of those, I think at a base level, we as a, a society want to go, we don't want to resort to violence. But God damn it, do we celebrate the hell out of it when it's cool? <laughs> and guess what? There's nothing wrong with a guy in a suit kicking ass and looking cool. I mean, just look at all of my tweets. That's essentially what it is. This looks great. Send. This is awesome. Send. I don't have much else to say because that's all the base level I need to start with. Then you can go watch the movie and then break it down more and more if you want, or you don't have to. I I guess that's part of the issue I have with all the discourse around action movie stuff is I was like, yeah, the amount of, of effort and time that goes into it is insane when you actually start thinking and breaking down how stunts work and how they have to have safety measures and everything set up. And it's like the fact that that isn't applauded every time an action movie comes out is irritating as all hell. But then you then you have to sit there and have people go, yeah, but it's fun. But I feel bad for liking. I was like, don't feel bad for liking it. Like sometimes I feel bad for liking horror movies or this or that. Like who cares? Just like what you like. Move on. So. But in terms of the superstars, I was thinking when you mentioned somebody who gives it their all, man, Hall, just every movie, every interview. I mean, give that guy a PR award because every <laughs> interview I see him in for any movie he's doing, I was like, man, I want to go see that movie now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and he, he has his entire his career. Yeah, he has his entire career. I mean, if you go back and watch interviews, even all the way back as far as October Sky and Bubble Boy, Bubble Boy. that dude, <laughs> that dude, like loves making fucking movies and it, it, it makes me think of, of of you know what liam was saying about uh louis mandalore being like 
can you believe we get to do this for a living? Like, I feel like Hall's like that. Like, every day he wakes up and he's like, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. This is ridiculous. So He even, he even made it seem like he enjoyed doing the uh, MCU-mandated Instagram account that he deleted right after promotion for <laughs> Spider-Man was done. <laughs> that, that was my favorite bit. of it. He, he, he was posting like crazy on there, and it all looked genuine. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's let's bring it into the the word. There's two main things we're talking about this week. Uh, we will just wrap up and say Mad Monkey trailer looks awesome. We're all hyped for it. Uh, but uh, this week hitting on Netflix, the second movie in the Concrete Utopia universe, Badland Hunters, starring the actual definition of man meat, uh, Ma Dong Siak, <laughs> aka Don Lee. Um, I, I I always bristle at the Don Lee because I just can't believe we're still at the era where we rename our our foreign action stars. But nonetheless, uh, Ma Dong Siak, uh, for those who are are aware, it basically is a story where that takes place three years after the devastation of Korea by a giant earthquake. Uh, the survivors, some of the survivors, are in this small town, uh, this small encampment, essentially, and. Uh, Ma Dong Siak and his his protege are hunters. They go out, they they kill animals, they bring it back for food, uh, and and through a variety of reasons that we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, one of the girls of the village is taken uh, to uh, the last standing building in in Korea, uh, and they have to go rescue her. And what entails is so much punching, so much punching. Um, I will get into the differences because Vice, I'm guessing I, w- we talked about this before you jumped on. I'm guessing I'm the only one that watched Concrete Utopia this weekend as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did you know the thing? I, I heard it was like, it's, it's an Oscar, Oscar submission. I'm like Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I will talk I about the this. differences, but first, uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Vice, you you are the one that was singing the praises most of this movie. So take it away, brother. Oh man, this is fucking. Double cheeseburger ass movie. Oh my god! From at home, bubble burger ass movie. Oh, this is ah. I loved. Okay, first of all, the the Ma Dong Sok Don Lee. Oh, and by the way, I was re- I was researching this. It's, it's kind of interesting. And um, we were talking about you know movie stars and like these action stars like uh, having these icons now, and you know Ma Don he was here in America for a while. He was a uh, he trained UFC fighters here in America for quite a bit, and he had citizenship. So it's a kind of a, there's a thing, well, this is, people either from Korea or Korean Americans kind of correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, when I was living there, they had like, you know, their standard family name, the Christian name. But from what I understand, like the Don, Don's like, that's his like business name. Like his last, his real family name, surname is actually Lee. So Don, like Don Lee kind of makes sense in that regard. So like, I, I, I can imagine like when he came to America and was working, he was like, this, he was, hey, it's Don. They can say that makes sense. And, uh, it was funny. Like uh, I think a lot of people haven't actually heard him speak um, speak uh, English because he's he's not he's not doing that much interviews uh, in American stuff yet. When he, when he was doing his um the interview press circuit for uh, the Eternals, uh, that was probably the first time people heard him speak English. And like he sounds like my realtor. Like he's just like he's a dude. <laughs> like like, uh, like similar to how um, Danny has like has, has got some um Boston in his English because he 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 developed it here. So all of it is to say that um it, it, that's that's kind of I part of his identity. Is that he's is that he has a kind of a mentality or our style of action and our style of like a you know American kind of verve. 
So, so just to say, and I think that comes in to movies throughout the years. It's very distinctly Korean, but he has a similar to like similar to um Donnie Yen or Jet Li. He has a kind of um that no that cognizance of the American mindset as well. And that kind of informs how he goes. That's part of what makes it he's such an international star. So, well, to say like here, so he's known for punching the fuck out of people. That's his like that's his bread and butter. That is his power set in movies. You know, Van Damme has his kicks. Steve Zagal has his, has his um bullshit fucking uh, bully Aikido. Uh, and Ma Dong has these power these haymakers. Like every punch is a haymaker. Every punch sound, when it hits somebody, it sounds like God standing in the car door. Like he he's OP. Like he that is that is what his movies are about. And all of them they say, like uh the characters either imply or say outright, this guy cannot be stopped. And that's the fun of the fun of it all to see him like plow to people. So here in uh Band of Hunters, kind of this you know similar setup where he had this kind of really Big brawl, big brutish uh, uh, powerhouse uh, coming to save the day. People, oh, anyway, in this apocalyptic wasteland, people are being, you know, uh, abused or uh, persecuted by either like uh, barbarians or hunters or like you know the powers that be. And so when he when when they run a follow of uh, the dawn, he has to put you know bring down justice with the hammers with the, and that, uh, he does so beautifully. So um, there's really, no, I mean. Kind of the fun of the story is how like ridiculous it is. So it kind of doesn't really really warrant getting to the details of spoilers too much because like uh it kind of it's kind of like nonsense. Well, it's nonsense in the best way. It's like a, you know reptile soldiers and like a mad scientist and you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But that that's kind of the fun of it all. Um, it kind of reminded me of like a like stuff like I don't know if you've ever seen the um there was a live action like Western produced uh, Fist of the North Star movie based on you know the Hokuto no Ken the their famous uh. Manga slash anime, and it was fucking terrible. Oh, it was terrible as an adaptation of Fifth North Star, but as a cheesy as Kung Fu B movie, that shit was lit. And I, I felt very much like that here, you know, like a, a lot of those that those that and like um Six String Samurai. It's kind of like these weird indie vibeish kind of uh, movies that have that are about the action, but just kind of go all out with the uh, conceptually. So yeah, so there's a lot of weird shit going on here in Battle Hunters. Like he's fighting, he's like fighting an alligator, you know. <laughs> they have like they have uh, these like prison gangs who I guess they escape prison and they have like you know death matches. Just just, just, just bunch of wall shit off the walls, just throwing against the wall and just seeing what sticks. And um, so there's so there's not really much sense or purpose to try to like dissect that part because uh, I guess from Mike, you can let, you let us know. I guess the uh, Conquer Utopia that's an actual serious dramaturgical like introspection of like hierarchy of power and humankind in, in the face of crisis when i got done watching it i needed a dart and a hug <laughs> so i mean it's a dart and a hug movie that's that's yeah. what yeah 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 so yeah this is not that at all <laughs> like 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 it is straight up foolishness shenanigans <laughs> but it's also like but it's already to the core it's like a it's just hard or well well Hard action, as hard as it can be, but it's still still it's still an air of silliness to it. It's still a lot of fun. It's like having a it's about having a good, good time. And so yeah, so just the main thing is that I'm you know knowing Don Lee's like uh, his moveset, his his economy. Then they kind of uh, they kind of up the ante here, where you know since it's like kind of a zombie slasher kind of film, they give him they let him kind of go out like the raid style, like Timo style, like you know it's just and just slaughter people, like not just knock him up, but actually like re render them limb from limb. <laughs> And uh, that is just like, it's, yeah, it's just really cool to see that 
that uh, his template of baller action picked up a notch with that bloody brutality. Like, you know, it, 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 yeah, and it was, it, 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 he does it so well. You know, you know, props to him and the director. Uh, they, they kind of got his move set down to a science so they can then add these layers on top of it, the, you know, the, the sword and the gunplay, and you know, it all kind of mixes so well together. And yeah, it's yeah, it's a really impressive um, action display. Um, you know, to kind of, you know, it, you can enjoy the silliness, but then it's, when it's time to get real with the action, you, it's, it's, it's it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Andy, your your thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I uh, I had a, a good time with it. Much like before we started to uh, officially uh, record, Brandon was like what was the story? And I was like, yeah, I got done watching it. It's one of those movies where I feel dumb because I'm like, damn it, what happened? But I got to see, you know, Don Lee punch people, cut heads off and, and do one of my favorite things in any movie. When you have a pump shotgun, you use somebody's shoulder to load the <laughs> shotgun and then shoot it. You do that. Andy's sold. And I will <laughs> praise the movie for that. Uh, Don Lee has that unique ability to be a badass, scary cop that you don't want to fuck with. Or the nicest dude in your town that goes out and hunts and then, you know, cuts the meat and gets it ready for you to eat so you can survive. And he's got that look like he could be all meek and mild, but then when it needs to, just punch people's souls into another plane of existence. And that's what I love about the guy. It's it, it, Watching him is just so entertaining because each role can be, like I said, a cop that nobody wants to mess with who's unstoppable. Or this guy who you think is just, you know, helping people out. And then he turns out to, again, be unstoppable. So, yeah, it was super fun, violent when it when it needed to be. And he's just charming to watch. So, yeah, I know it's weird to say charming to watch in that movie about cutting up zombies and people using guns. So, wait a minute, this must be zombie John Wick then, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and actually, you could argue, I'll, I'll talk about her a bit more, but you could argue, absolutely argue that, that Anji He's character uh, mm. is very influenced by John Wick because she's doing she's doing all the gunjitsu stuff uh, in, yeah. in the movie. But uh, yeah, Brandon, your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I well, first of all, the part of the reason I think I I was a little bit uh, hazy on what was going on is I, I I'm not usually up this uh, that early to watch a movie, and I was pretty hungover. But uh, <laughs> but but I I had a lot of fun with it. Um, one thing that I really keyed into was. I don't think this was a very expensive movie and I know it was all green screen, but at the same time, it almost reminded me of like Isaac Florentine's earlier movies where uh, like the ones that feel like Albert Pune movies, like uh, extremely cold harvest, cold harvest. Yeah, cold is, har uh... That's exactly the vibe I got. Like where you, you, you don't have a big space, but it feels big because there's a world that you're creating within it. And you drop an action star into this like post-apocalyptic world and just let him do what he does. And I had I had a lot of fun with it that way. Um, and I just I love that uh, he's he's so synonymous with punching people out now that it's just like a running joke throughout the movie. There's the interrogation scene where he's going down the line and just you don't know anything and just knocking someone out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, and, it's and just, the way this is the way he says it like a, like he's just, he's so. The dad jokes are off the charts. He's like, uh, "Oh, it's time for a nap." But that's how he says, that's how he says it. <laughs> it's he, he's he, he's so like calming. I, I think you were saying advice is that he has such a calming presence that it's just like even when he's like beating the shit out of people, it's almost like 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 if I was going to have like my ass kicked by anybody, it would probably want to be him because he's going to lull me into like a comfort before I'm like <laughs> my lights are put out. And so like I don't know, he's such an interesting action star in that way. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like it's like his uh, his intimidation is not like there's no bluster about it. There's no yeah. He doesn't really scream or shout or like you know he doesn't like Hulk out. He's just like yeah. He, he's just like are you sure? Sure you do this? You okay? You gonna you be alright? Sure. It's, <laughs> and it, and it's not like it's not like too cool in the way that like you it feels forced or anything. Like you can tell like he just he would much rather just be sitting in a recliner. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he he's he's yeah. the closest we have, I think, to have ever uh come close to Samo Hung. Now he obviously doesn't move like Samo Hung, but but because nobody has ever moved like Samo yeah. Hung. But but in that look of like he does not look like what you'd expect your typical action hero, badass action hero to look like, and yet is still so amazing. I, I just pulled up his Wikipedia. This is did you know that he's been an amateur arm wrestler since 2008 and in 2018 he became the president of the Korean Arm Wrestling Federation? <laughs> I didn't know that, but that is the most amazing. Like that is the most fucking Don Lee tidbit. <laughs> that, that, that like we need to get this guy in that new like UFC slap fighting thing that they're doing cuz he'll just he'll just tear through it. Um Anyway, Brandon, I cut you off. Continue. Oh no, that that was pretty much all I had to say. Is that I I really enjoyed it. Um, it it was one of those movies, and I I hate saying this because it's like not the fault of anyone, but I but but myself probably, but uh, because it a lot of it was largely CG. I feel like it just sort of like washed over me in the way that like those movies that I brought up, like uh, Bridge of Dragons or Cold Harvest, wouldn't because it, you you can see light hitting an object. So like I, what I remember most about this movie is just him be punching people in the face. But I think that's all you're supposed to remember. And yeah, so sure. I, 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 I enjoyed it. Yeah, and like yeah. definitely, you know, with that um kind of artifice, is definitely we were talking, we you know, we spoke about this at length in various episodes, even last week with uh, James Dunn, like um the video game, the video game menace of it all. Yeah, like, you know, him them storming this castle like that, like uh. The, 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 once once the uh, main crew sets out, it's the three of them. There's uh, there's there's, there's Don, and then there's the you know Anjie and uh, the other the other character. Oh, Lee Jun Young. Like it's like um, it's like Final Fight. There's like Hagar, yeah. then there's like you know Cody, and they have like you know the, the ninja girl. Like there's like that third. Like, there's, always, there's always a fast female character in fighting games or beat 'em up games. Like she's that character. So they have that like that this uh beat 'em up video game t- template, and you just let them loose into into like a. Yeah, they do like a beat em up in Resident Evil. <laughs> like uh, that that video game aesthetic is all there to see. Like, they even have like a Wesker type character. You know, she kind of her her um, former boss was like a, 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 a lizard man or whatever. They have really they have really cool dope fight with that too. Like yeah, like there's all this like video game stuff going on. So like the artifice it kind of it, it, it works to that it works in concert with that uh, video game tropes. This being this really like fake looking movie. <laughs> Especially the CGI alligator. That's why I'm fucking Resident Evil too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So I am the only one for those listening. I'm the only one that watched Concrete Utopia, the 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 first movie in this series, and I did all the research. Unfortunately, I could not find the original web comic in a translated version. I didn't spend a ton of time looking for it. But so for those who don't know, both of these movies are based on a web comic called Pleasant Outcast. Uh, by Kim Sung Young. And there's actually going to be a Netflix series called Pleasant Outcast that's going to adapt the first part of this. And and mm-hmm. what I can gather is essentially each part of this webcomic 
is a completely different story taking place in this same world. And the world is, and we're going to spoil both Concrete Utopia and uh, and Badland Hunters. I don't feel bad about that because they're not playing in theaters. So you can stop right now and go watch them. Badland Hunters is on Netflix. Concrete Utopia is available for rent exclusively on Viki. I had some people tell me uh, that they don't understand what those words mean. But if you just go to Viki.com... Uh, if you like K-dramas, you know Vicky because Vicky was actually the first streaming service to really bring K-dramas over to the U.S. And then Netflix kind of stole their thunder because they're like, oh, we like what they're doing, uh, you know, uh, but it's owned by Rakuten. It's a huge streaming service. Uh, so it's $5.99 on Vicky. Uh, well worth the $5.99 Concrete Utopia is. Um, the synopsis the setting for this is that a giant earthquake hits korea and we don't know necessarily if it hits the rest of the world but we can kind of assume that because no outside help comes and there's the the, the stories never really made it clear even in the web comic there's some discussion that maybe it's a simultaneous nuclear war and earthquake but the 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 Theory seems to be that the moon has shifted orbit and has destroyed the world as we know it. Concrete Utopia starts because there is one apartment building in all of Seoul that for whatever reason remains standing. And that becomes this place where everybody wants to try and go. And Concrete Utopia becomes this, it's this incredibly serious drama I don't want to say incredibly serious because there's a lot of social satire going on in it, but it is, it is like, it is like high rise meets Lord of the flies is the best way I can describe it. And the, the, the plot is that uh, speaking of major Korean stars starring in these movies, Lee Byung Hyung becomes uh, the president of this apartment complex. And he's a liar about, but there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that ends up falling apart and everything goes to hell. Uh, but it's about this apartment complex and the way they become the haves and the way they treat the have nots and it all falls apart. And our only sympathetic characters kind of end up getting killed and, and to a certain extent, but we have one main character that lives at the end and she actually gets taken in by a community of sort of shanty town that looks very similar to the shanty town that we start Badland Hunters with. And Badland Hunters takes place three years after Concrete Utopia. And what we find out is the apartment complex where the lab is, where the entire climax of Badland Hunters takes place, is that same apartment complex three years later. But there is such a tonal difference between the two movies that I cannot even describe it to you. I cannot, I, 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 I'm not sure that I've ever seen anything like it in movies to have two movies in the same series that are this tonally different. Um, and my understanding is they're both based on the webcomic. The webcomic is this tonally different as it shifts through. Right, and I think right. that's kind of fucking brilliant because I think there's been a lot of situations where we've had worlds where you could tell different stories and people end up kind of choosing not to, you know, uh, worlds that are fascinating and interesting. You know, the, 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 the Wachowskis did it a little bit with the animatrix. I thought they really kind of touched on that. How do we tell these different types of stories within 
the world of the matrix this feels like it's doing it but i will tell you like i said after concrete utopia i needed i needed a hug and i needed a fucking dart and uh and and i said on twitter i said concrete utopia is a nut punch uh badland hunters is a fist pump uh, because that's literally they are they're they are 180 degrees apart from one another but what they do have in common is hitching the entire movie on the shoulders of Korean megastars. And they both work in that same way because Lee Byung-hyun has always been uh, an edgy, uh, sort of unsympathetic Korean actor. You know, even going back to to his earliest movies, he plays not likable guys very often in his career. Um, And so this really steers into that because it steers into at the start how good looking he is, how charming he is, all of that stuff. And then when he goes full blown madman, you're like, well, yeah, it's Lee Byung-Kung. Of course he does. And this one plays into the fact that what we want to see from Ma Dong-seok is him punching the fuck out of people. And and his his kind of lighthearted, you know, the thing is, even if you look at like I was rewatching The Outlaws um, in, in anticipation for this. And, and I forgot there's a chase scene at the start of that movie where after he tackles the guy, the first thing he complains about is his knees. And there's a scene in Badland <laughs> Hunters where he's going upstairs and he complains about his knees, you know, like that's like a, a recurring thing for him. Um, you know, we've all talked about that. The most amazing scene in the entire movie is when he tries to go to pull the machete out of his, and he's so thick that he can't yeah. actually reach it. Um, both Never movies. felt more seen. <laughs> yeah, I, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I have, so I have, Vice knows this, I have uh, the Blade replica sword, but I also have Blade's replica, his sword sheath. And I mm-hmm. literally can, I don't know how the fuck Wesley Snipes got that sword in and out of that sheath, because I cannot do it at all. Um, but uh, Wait, what I, I want to do, we can't see it on, we, people listening, you can't see it, but I got to see it right, right now. Can you touch your elbows? Any of you guys? This is as far as I go. Kind <laughs> of. Yeah. It hurts. Wait. Oh, you can do it. Close. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think I got the closest, then Brandon, then Andy, then Vice for people yeah, listening. Yeah, um, no, just a, the limited range of motion. Well, it's kind of the uh, the irony here is that, you know, like we mentioned Sam Hung, like uh, he's so big, but he moves so, so. Gracefully. Just, yeah, just gracefully. <laughs> He has such agility, and it was, it's almost like he um he moves around himself, like he's like he's like he's like a I don't know, it's like a pendulum or or, or spinning top, where the momentum comes from his his girth basically, and it, then he can become this like ball of destruction. That's how it's kind of how he fights. He becomes a powerhouse, like it, his wideness generates power, like literally. And the same thing with with uh, uh, Don Lee. It's like um he's so wide that like the the torque from when he cranks up to to punch. Like that's like that's like a it's like like a bola. It's like a that that centripetal force is like off the off the charts because like he's just so wide that when it comes back around to you, yeah. So like even though he can't like even though he can't like even though he's not as mobile as like you know his his co-stars or like you know we we'll do like the more agile acrobatics. It's like uh you 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 can still like the force that he generates is still like palpable. You can still see it on screen even though it's not like a not even though it's not a fast like sharp movement. It's, you, you, you can feel the power. It's really cool. They do that. But like, to Tom, I love that again. Like he's making swim himself. That you know, shit hurts. He's, he's like a, I think he's uh, fifty two years old at this point. So like he's not like 
you know, he's, he's Odyssey, or Odyssey, as, as you used to say, like, he's an old Korean man. Yeah, so, like, yeah. He plays, he, plays, he plays that part of the hill. He's like, he's tired. Man. <laughs> and and that's what I think is so fascinating, because even though I watched Badland Hunters first, I knew about Concrete Utopia. I knew what it was about. And so I was expecting Badland Hunters to be, you know, at most, like, train to Busan level, like, action, you know, stuff. Still a very serious, dour movie, despite having really good action. And folks, it ain't fucking that. Like, this is like <laughs> Sam Raimi lunacy movie. Like, it, it's it's full blown. It's Neil Marshall's dog soldiers. Like, it, it's just craziness, and it's awesome. For me, I I highly recommend both movies completely. Full recommendation from me for both movies. Both movies are brilliant. They are just brilliant in such fundamentally different ways that I'm still trying to wrap my brain around how they belong to the same movie series. But, uh, but yeah, it, I, I really do have to recommend concrete utopia as well. It is so good. And it's so nice to see Lee Byung Hyun getting again, another major leading role after his, you know, he's, he's always been big in Korea, but he kind of, he kind of stalled out here coming over to the U S for reasons that are not his own because every movie that he was in in the u.s he's the best part of it both you know red two and both gi joes he's by far the best part of them but uh just to, to have him you know carry this entire movie is is really worth watching but uh it actually kind of works i think to watch him in order because you're going to be so depressed after concrete utopia and then you're just going to be flying high after <laughs> badland hunters um you know they would make a hell of a back-to-back uh, so anyway, um, yeah, that's what I got. Uh, any any final thoughts on this one? I think it's fair to say this is a strong recommendation for all of us. Yeah, and I, I think I think we were kind of talked about before, like uh, if you're new to these, if you're new to these action stars, international stars, you know, where do you start? And I mean, honestly, like you can uh, you can kind of work backwards. Like if this is your first Dolly experience. That's great. You can you can like find the ones previously, and like it'll it'll work just as well. Whether you start from his old stuff or you start from here, it's it's all good. So yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Andy, any final thoughts? Uh, the only thing I was mad we didn't see is when he would like wind up at sometimes you didn't see the ground under his feet kind of crumble a little bit to see the power that he's generating. But yeah, you needed like that, that. You needed that Zack Snyder Superman, right? When Superman <laughs> right? is about to take off, you see the rocks like kind of floating right, so around him. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, yeah, down, that's... He's just bending down. And yeah, and, I, <laughs> and that's one of the things I do like when you get somebody who knows how to fight. It doesn't always translate to screen as we've talked to, you know, Scott and many other people have said some USC fighters are just too good and their punches don't look cinematic. Man, Don Lee just looks amazing because he's throwing nothing like, you know, vice to nothing but haymakers. And when he jabs, even his jabs have like a little loopiness to them that just look great on camera. So, yeah, if you want a fun time watching people get punched and heads getting chopped off and again, people using people's traps to load their shotgun. This is the movie for you. Oh, wait, you reminded me. There's a part where he, uh, he's, he's fighting a goon, one of the prison guys. And he punches him in like in the, in the ribs, and the prison guy goes, "Oh, uh, shut him up!" He's like, "Wait a minute, wait." He's like, he says, "Wait, time out," because he hit him so hard. He's uh, I, I have I have wrestling on the brain because of the Royal Rumble last night. But you you made me realize that you know he's not. He's like the Goldberg of action stars. He's he's not like the most well-rounded martial artist, but he does like a couple things that he's really, really great at. And it's so much fun to watch. Like Goldberg kind of sucked as a wrestler, but he did three moves and he was it, it was badass. And we all loved it. There's just he had that awesome like uh, that awesome 
entrance where he'd walk out the yeah. smoke shoots him and he blows yeah. the like smoke out of his nose and you'd they, be like i just want to see uh, him spear jackhammer they, and then just throw somebody out of the ring carelessly <laughs> yep. they, they, they both have aura as the kids say now <laughs> <Riz. laughs> yeah 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 it's and, and you don't want every one of your stars like just like with goldberg you don't want every one of your wrestlers to be that you want the ricochets and the hardies and and the people that are the the ninjas and stuff like that mm -hmm. but when you have one who does it this well it is such a joy to just watch them i i just will never get tired of watching him lay waste to people and again because he's got that that sammo hung twinkle in his eye the whole time he's not he's not steven seagal self-serious about it he makes fun of himself he he does he lightens it up uh, enough that it's just yeah i'll just never get tired of watching him just just lay waste to folks um so yeah brandon any other final thoughts uh my my only real thought and and i hate to uh to you know, really lay it on thick for a corporation that doesn't need it. But I really do think that it's important for people who are constantly like, oh, Netflix just has disposable garbage, blah, blah, blah. That's largely true. But you're also like they're home to some of the best international action constantly, not just India and South Korea, but like France and Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and, you know, as Mike mixed up last week, those two yeah. very similar countries. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Vice. Did my back dull your knife last week, by the way? I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to get in the way of your knife. I was, cry, I was cry laughing French, at work. Guys, why is this happening? <laughs> I, I was cry laughing at work last week, uh, hearing, hearing Vice just go along with it. And then eventually, Mike, you were like, wait, why didn't you correct me? And Vice was like, I don't know. I didn't feel like it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Netflix, uh, th there's just so much cool international action on there. And uh, yeah, th this is a, another one that it's just like every week they drop something new on there that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. And it's just, it's really cool. Inside of us, there are two Netflixes inside of all of us. <laughs> yeah. There is the red notice Netflix and there is the Badland hunters Netflix. And that's, <laughs> that's the thing. I hate everything about Netflix. I'm with you. I don't want to carry water for them, but for international action, they are the streaming service that is, and, and they are not just bringing this stuff over. They're like the, the pleasant outcast, series the the first part of this whole concrete utopia world the series that they're doing that's a netflix series netflix is funding that netflix is making that that is not just like something that they've bought uh and and so it's it, it's got to be weird in the netflix offices because i i gotta think you gotta have like ted sarandos and, and reed hastings and all those people and they want their fucking red notices and their bullshit and then there's like some like three people in like the mail room, you know, down in the basement <laughs> that are like, what if we make squid game, you know, and what if we make, <laughs> what if we bring over lost bullet and then, Oh, that, uh, what if we make a sequel to lost bullet, you know, like there's just, and they're the people that nobody pays attention to. And then their movies come out and they fucking rule. You I, know? I, I think, just, I, yeah. I think those two sides are converging to bring Monday night raw there in next year, which is still so insane <laughs> to me. Oh, yeah, I, I can't I get over that. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the next bit of meat. Uh, finishing up last week was Reacher Season 2. We we spent an in-depth discussion on Reacher Season 1 last year. We have to talk about the 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 true vanilla gorilla, Alan Richson, and Reacher uh, Season 2. 
Vice, let's go to you first. So, okay. So from what, I, again, having not read the books, my general understanding is that um, each kind of each st- adventure is kind of like a little bit, a little slice of uh, different styles or different uh, genres of American fiction, like, you know, like a crime noir or Southern, Southern Gothic kind of stuff. So, so I guess this series is, seems to be following suit with that, in that regard. So I, after the kind of the uh, Southern hardball, like, you know, weird, Conspiracy, like you know, like Dukes of Hazard on steroids, just kind of drama of season one, and so like I love that one. So then, like now that season, like coming here to New York to to my turf and doing the same shit with like with with the whole gang. Like at first, I didn't know how to I didn't know how to take it because like I, again, like I was I wasn't I didn't really know what to expect honestly. But then like that, but then it kind of just as it as it unfolded, I kind of see I guess I see the. Uh, the true kind of uh, the true pleasure of Lee Childs' novel series that um he has these uh, kind of uh, set tropes, um but, the, but then the, with the X Factor Reacher. So you know altogether, season two is kind of this uh, uh hardboiled noir New York cop drama, but then with Reacher, like with the fucking giant dude. But but then also, but and then as the as these shows and the books kind of do. They weave his own backstory about him, his um special team, his what well, they call the um special investigators, his unit, and how they become integral to the, this main story. So yeah, just uh, after after like the first episode or two, of kind of just recalibrating and seeing how it this kind of shifts. Like you know, I was I, I was totally on board by then. Uh, yeah, like Reacher is like he's literally bigger than before. Like <laughs> and uh, you know, and they, and they do it really to really good effect here. All the all the fight scenes, but yeah, just um. I I, just, I really like that this shift change of like this um kind of this sadder more dour drama like like you know it's, it basically starts off with one of his close friends the investigator, investigators is murdered so he has to uncover you know the conspiracy behind it and you know and it, it involves much like you know dirty cops and um you know the dirty cops and uh, international mercenaries for hire and like you know high grade arms training you know, there's really really pretty heavy stuff going on here. But you know, it's at the same at at the end of the day, it's still like, how are we gonna resolve this by punching the fuck out of people really hard? That's how. That's where, that's where the, like the, the the fantasy the power empowerment comes in. It's like, you know, um, what if this one really fucking huge guy could smash through all the red tape and all the bureaucracy and all and all the dirty politics and just get justice? That that's kind of where where it's from. That's the the the, the appeal of it all. So yeah, I just uh, I I like this this that tonal shift of being a little bit more darker and a little bit more. Sadder, honestly, but like at the same time, I just that still works to great effect because at the end of the day, Reach is gonna, you know, Reach is gonna bring the hammer down, and you know, and they, you know, we, we talk about the um, how action movies or action heroes, how to use that level of invincibility, the uh, can't be stopped, and Reacher and Richard Richardson plays this so well, has that more or less, but they at at the same time though they don't ever shy away from uh, the fact that. At any moment, he can be hurt grievously. Like he's not, in, he's a powerhouse, and he's unstoppable. But he's not all. He's not invincible either. Like he can still be mortally wounded by at any occurrence. You know, well, based on the plot, but like you know, it's that's not nothing's out of the question in that regard. So yes, at several points, you know, I was like, uh, if not him, but are, are is his comrades going to make it, or is is his uh people he's fighting with are they going to be okay? And they, the show does a good job of keeping that tension pretty high, even though you know that you know he's, he's going to win the day. But like they keep that tension at a really good level. 
Um, so, which so is say, stand out, stand out for, for this season for me is a uh, uh, Dominic Lombardi. That's his name, uh, aka Herc from the Wire. People know him as Herc. Yeah, yeah, Dominic Lombardozzi, and he uh, he here plays a uh, detective. Uh, they call him Detective Russo, Guy Russo, and like he, he's just like he, again, he's like the this perfect uh, kind of iconic uh, a trope character of a New York toughest nail detective. He is that to a T. So he's, he's, a, he's a perfect match with the energy of what Richard brings to for, you know from from his story. So again, it's just the mixing of these these kind of these genre tropes and these little energies, these these vibes worked really well together for me for this, for this season. Yeah, and I had a really good time with this, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, like once I was I, I got what I was doing, I was like, yeah, I, forgot, I was I was pumped every week. And this is what TV is all about: being pumped every week. Tune in every Thursday night. He's a badass action. See, see justice, see justice prevail. Oh man, this is what it's all about. Love it. <laughs> Andy, your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, uh, after loving the first season, and much like Vice, I haven't read any of the books. I know I need to. I should, but. Uh, there's too much stuff to watch. So sorry, it's not going to happen <laughs> right away. But um, it, it was great seeing like this powerhouse that is like one or two steps ahead of the bad guys. Because let's be honest, we all love to see Scott and Marco fight because they're so evenly matched. And it makes Scott look great when he when he eventually wins. Sometimes I just want to see my hero be two steps ahead, take him out, always have the the win right in his back pocket and can pull it out at any time and that's what reacher you know season one gave me and then season two at first i wasn't on board with the group because i still was in reacher mode but as soon as you see yeah. him playing well with his his you know teammates and much like uh you know our whole video game aspect of the last movie they each bring their own separate skill sets into this one. And you're like, oh yeah, Reacher can't do this without them because he's not the suave guy who's going to go in and talk about lawyery stuff because he's, that's just not him. And, you know, Neely, who stood out to me, she's like the awesome badass who's good at all, pretty much everything, as well as keeping Reacher in place and busting his chops just enough. And you get why they have that kind of core unit because they can bust his, his chop and he, and he takes it because nobody else is going to bust Reacher's chops except the people who he has the, the utmost faith and like, you know, friendship with. So after I bought into that, I was totally in. Then you got, you know, you got Robert, uh, Robert Patrick just making me want to reach through the TV and strangle him every time he's talking. <laughs> um, and you got just, just plenty of henchmen for Reacher to just beat the ever-loving shit out of week in and week out and it's sometimes funny watching some of the we'll get to it but i don't think reacher can be tactical because man when he's holding a gun he just can't put his arms down so he's turning around currently it's impossible for this guy to tactically do anything except just run through a wall um but yeah no it was super fun i liked the group aspect I'm looking forward to getting back to just kind of reacher on his own now that we've had this but uh and i kind of hope the characters show up in later seasons to kind of help them and then leave. But kind of like uh, uh, Vice said, once I got in and bought in and the characters hit and the story started to pick up steam, I was like, Thursday night, mandatory viewing. Everybody leave dad alone. I'm watching Reacher <laughs> at nine o'clock. Get away. <laughs> Brandon, your thoughts. So I'm going to echo some of the sentiments here that, you know, it was tough for me to get on board with the whole team aspect initially. And I'm, as much as I really enjoyed the season, I'm not sure I fully latched onto the team aspect as much as you guys, if only because 
I do love Reacher's whole deal is that, you know, you drop this gigantic guy into a situation and he's also Sherlock Holmes and he's going to figure it out. And I don't think we ever did enough to establish why the other three are that much different from him. So at a certain point, it did feel like you had Reacher and three mini Reachers going into each situation. And it started to become a little bit like, you know, do we need th these guys? <laughs> like, like he was like the Cloverfield monster and those weird things that fell off his back trailing behind him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I, I think Neely is definitely the standout of the team, but I never felt like there was enough to distinguish them as so much different from one another and from being so much different from Reacher. They all can kick the shit out of anybody and they're all smarter than everybody. And at a certain point I was like, do we, why do we need four of these guys? <laughs> like, and, but I did like them all too. So that, so it's like, it's a minor complaint. It's like, I, I, I do like all of them and I had a lot of fun with this, but I, I'm, I'm like you, Andy, I, I'm excited to get back to it. Just Reacher drifting into another town and being bigger than everybody by himself. And, <laughs> I'm excited for that. I think this was necessary to kind of get a little bit of his backstory out of the way and show, you know, his time in the military. Um, but but I am excited for a more of back to basics, whatever that may be, because we've only had two seasons. So uh, I, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I did really enjoy it, though. It's it's I I don't watch a whole lot of television uh, just because I I just like watching movies more. But so. So I, I guess you can take it with a grain of salt when I say that this is the best show on television because it's the only <laughs> show I'm watching. <laughs> Got a boss baby vibes in this show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, when I when I watch True Detective Night Country, I'm gonna I'm getting a lot of Reacher vibes from. This show would be better if there was a six foot six guy, yeah, two hundred eighty pounds running around punching people. Why isn't Jodie Foster <laughs> taking steroids? I don't get. It. <laughs> why isn't she telling me details matter? And I believe it. <laughs> well, Night Country does have a boxer on the show, Callie uh, uh, Rias. So I don't know. Maybe hey. it is more like Reacher than I thought. Hey. <laughs> Maybe. Um. Wait. Wait. Uh, oh, sorry. No. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. You, you didn't talk. No. No. Vice. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, uh, I, like I like the fact that um. Again, not knowing how the each of these seasons so far is based off of a novel, and I, I guess at some point they kind of mix parts of novels together. So, like this character, for example, Russo, he's not one specific character from any one book. He's like kind of an amalgamation of different pe people he encounters in the other stories. Um, but so, like, I do like this show so far, making it kind of its own distinct, I don't know, lore path or whatever. Plus that, um, my man, the, uh, the 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 cameo that blew me away. Better than any MCU thing was the detective, chief detective, no lieutenant Oscar Finley coming back. My man, you know his his uh his BFF in the first season coming back, you know to offer his support. I just like so I like that he has like again even though he's a loner and kind of well not spoilers but at the end of this season he kind of they kind of he kind of comes is confronted with the fact that he can't be alone all the time. And so I like that people like Neely and and like Finley like like. You have, you have allies not just because you're a reacher and you're cool, but like there are other people putting up, fighting the good fight too, and you need each other to this for this fight. So I like that the show is kind of stressing that. Like yeah, like I like that he's kind of showing that he couldn't do this by himself. Um, but even but even in the first season, like it was like those characters. Like I said this when, I said this in the last episode when for season one, like um those characters, you know, like uh, the the cop, the, the police officers, they were gonna fight the bad guys. With, with or without Reacher. It just so happens that they would have they would they would have died for sure. 
but without his help, but like they were going to do that, like regardless, because they, they were, they believe in that, they were just and righteous about that. So I like that people, I like that Reacher is like this kind of this vessel, like to help empower people who are doing the right thing, who, who can be righteous. You know, like in, well, right, we, 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 gotta spoil, we gotta spoil it, we gotta spoil it, we gotta spoil it. Spoilers, spoilers for season two, Reacher. Uh, when, when they, oh God, this is, this is the best part, the worst part of, this, of, the, of the seasons of uh, season. Uh, Detective Garuso, uh, stand up stalwart, the stalwart the defender of justice, the one good cop gets iced by the fucking mercenaries. He gets shot in, in a heroic last stand and save the, save the girl, save the young girl witness. And like, you know, and they set up before this though, you know, which is like convinced he's a dirty cop. And he, he's like convinced, like he's always aiding him on to like to give him the snap so he can like, so he can beat him up basically. And Russo stands defiantly in his face, saying, "I do not take money. I, I'm, I am." Well, he doesn't say I'm a good person, but like he is showing through his actions, he's a good man. And eventually, Richard comes to comes to recognize this, like you know, yeah, no, he really is, like, well, not like you know, Finley level, but like he's like again, these are just people out there who aren't all scumbags, who aren't all assholes, people out there not just worth fighting for, but worth fighting with. And uh, you know, so firstly, you know, he he, uh, he loses, he sacrifices himself. For the greater good, but like, I really like that. That I, I think that's kind of at least the way Richard plays it off at, in the last episode. I think he kind of is showing it, dawn on him that he needs people. He needs the world. He can't be a, he can't be too much out of the world again. Like like he's been this hermit for so long. Like so so I hope that whatever whatever book series they're going to adapt next, I do hope they kind of face that more like a where he, yes, he can still be this kind of this 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 bulldozer that breaks through you know breaks through everything but like i like that he's a part of the community you know like i like that he's but oh i was gonna say he's a uh, equalizing he's like he's <laughs> my equalizer that's what i was thinking about like he's he's, he's getting closer, closer to that equalizer but like, even in the beginning when he's like he's like helps the um lady getting carjacked or whatever like like I, I like that he's a part of the community I, even this might be like i don't know it might be psychology to the fans of the book i don't know like he's just like you know Badass lone wolf who never, you know, never lays his head, you know, down or you know, never makes friends. But I don't know. I, I like his friends. I like Richard's friends. I, I like, I like his crew. I like him helping people with through violent bloodshed. I like that. So I, I hope I want to see more of that in whatever season they have next. So. Agreed. You kind of need those people to bounce off of Reacher and have some humor because Reacher's not a humorous character, but when played off the right character, he can be funny. And because he's so like, you know, when they, you know, spoilers, like you said, what do you, you know, with all the money at the end, they're like, what do you get? He goes, well, I do need a new, a new toothbrush. And like, everybody kind of laughs at first and like, holy shit, this guy's really, like, he's, this is all he wants. Like, <laughs> so he needs those people. If not, it's just this guy who's, who can be funny, who's not, but is just awesome at everything he does. And you need somebody to kind of knock him down a peg, you know, amongst friends, but then also continue to show why he's so damn awesome because when they're you know trapped later they're basically like it we're not scared because reacher's gonna end up saving the day <laughs> like don't step step aside and let the man walk through so yeah. that's yeah did, you, I, I, did uh, you just did you just make the super the super bond <laughs> reference like, <laughs> like I, may have. I let the man go through let the man go through um Brandon, you were going to say something. 
Oh no, I just I I spoiled Oscar showing up uh, f- for myself because I you know Amazon does the X-ray thing and I was scrolling through the cast list, but it also I was I was bummed out because it sh- also showed uh, Willa Fitzgerald as Roscoe and I was I love her and I was like oh she's coming back too and she never did and I was oh, yeah, yeah. it's kind of bummed because I wanted to see more Willa Fitzgerald but I don't know maybe she'll show up again one day <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> so here's here's the thing as the guy who actually has read not all of the books but but plenty of them. Um, you need to think more, think more of Reacher as Batman, not as this lone wolf. He's the, I don't need anybody. I don't have, and yet somehow I have 27 people in my fucking family who will die for me. (laughs) Right? Like, like, like Reacher is a loner, but he goes through the world collecting Robins left and right. Like, like. He just has so so every book he ends up with a team of people, you know, even even in the even in the the Tom Cruise movies, you know, he's got Rosamund Pike working with him. Uh, he's got he's got, uh, you know, Susan Turner uh, played by why am I drawing a blank on her name? Marvel, uh, Toby Smulders, you know, she's actually a fairly major character in the books, um, but he always leaves them all, but they're always coming back in, in, in and out of his life. So like you said, vice, the thing with Reacher is he is, he is uh, in the world, but not necessarily of the world, but, but he is in the world. He does accumulate teammates and compadres and, and stuff like that, but it also balances nicely. This idea of to, to use one of your favorite things, vice is, you know, uh, Tom Clancy esque spy novel about espionage and a and a reacher shows up, you know, like like it's basically yeah. like the predator thing. It's like yeah, and a yeah. reacher shows up. Um, <laughs> so I thought this one, I thought this one, I don't think Bad Luck and Trouble, the book that this season's based on, is as good as Killing Floor. So I don't think season two is as good as season one because the source material is not as good. But I thought as an adaptation, in a lot of ways, it's actually better because the the character of Russo is so much more. First of all, he's not really in the book. There's a couple of different characters, but but he does not have the role that he has in this series. Um, so much everything else is, is basically the same, but they really flesh out his role in this. Um, they also sort of flesh out, I think, a little better Reacher's relationship with Dixon. Uh, and and shout out to Sarinda Swan, who I thought was great in this, um, you know, and uh, for those who don't know, you know, she's she's probably most memorable as, as one of the bots in in Tron uh, in Tron Legacy. Um, <laughs> she's had a great career other than that, but that that is definitely kind of like her definitive <laughs> thing. But um, yeah, I, I thought. But what I also think is is just great about this is, again, Alan Richson anchoring the whole thing together in terms of uh both having the physical abilities, but the acting chops to bring it together too. I mean, I, I just, the, to me, the, the, the exchange of the, the entire series is when Neely's telling him, you know, you should play video games. You'd like a first person shooter. And the way he just delivers, I am a first person shooter. <laughs> like it's so fucking, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. And, um, and, you know, and so, I know next season they're they're adapting Persuader, which is a one again where he's got a he's he is going to have a team. He's actually working with the DEA uh, in that one, uh, and it's not to go into spoilers, but he's actually undercover in a in a oh, drug this cartel. This was announced recently, right? What was that? 
this was, this was announced recently though, like the season three, like yeah, yeah, announces? just just last week they announced oh, it was going to be okay. persuaded. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, you know, because there had been rumors that it was going to be one shot, which is the one that the first Tom Cruise movie was based on, which I thought would have been a mistake right. because right. a regardless of what you think of Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher, that movie kicks all sorts of fucking ass. And it is a perfect adaptation of that book. You could not do it better. The only thing you could do is literally have the same movie and just drop Alan Richson in it instead of Tom Cruise. That's you're not going to do it better than that movie. Um, But, uh, but yeah, he's, it's going to be one he's got, again, he puts together, he's got a team for whatever reason, Reacher, you know, it's, it, the Reacher books go back. I grew up reading men's adventure novels, things like Mac Bolin and the destroyer and stuff like that. And Reacher really does have it's, it's, it's a little more highbrow, but it's got its lineage in those because, you know, every book Reacher somehow has some woman who is just completely just cannot resist his charms, just needs to throw herself <laughs> at the, at the vanilla gorilla, um, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's, so I think this is a solid season. I don't think it's as good as the first one. But again, like I said, I don't think the source material is as good as the first one. Hmm. Um, but I think if you like Reacher, you know, I've seen some really negative criticisms of this season. And I just don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't really understand what you're, again, you're, you're still somewhat beholden to the book. And so I guess if you're like, well, I really don't like the book. Uh, then I get that, but it's a, it's a perfectly good adaptation of the book. It's a perfectly good season of Reacher. Um, and yeah, it has some, some great, some great stuff. I think the finale, the season finale isn't quite the shootouts and stuff aren't quite as good because, you know, last season's finale was directed by the great MJ Bassett. And so it just doesn't quite have that, that great, you know, action in it, but it's still, I thought, you know, yeah, I, I have nothing to say other than I thought it was I thought it was a rock solid season. We watched it. We watched it every week. And well, we waited the last two episodes. We waited until it was done and we watched those back to back. But other than that, we watched it every week. So somebody um, somebody said um like a, the, it's Reacher sucked because um this is New York. So like if those are the kind of shootouts that happen in the show, there'd be cops all over the place. Or like, you know, when the part where Russo himself was being accosted by the Mercs, or whatever, they that would have been an APB, like they would cops would have been swimming over, like it's it's unrealistic. This is a show where a man kicks a car, <laughs> kicks a car so hard the airbag deploys. This is not NYPD Blue. This is this is fucking. Dude, dude, it's just such an insufferable, miserable way to watch fucking movies and TV yeah. shows. Like yeah. I I don't understand that. I I've never understood yeah. that that kind of thing. The Nothing. Whole... Brandon, go. The, the whole joke of the show is that Reacher himself is unrealistic. So like, I don't know what show people think they're watching if they're watching Reacher and mad that parts of it are unrealistic. I always, yeah, I always say when, when somebody tells me a, a, a fight scene's not realistic or something, I'm like, I see, I see realistic every day. I want to have a slight... <laughs> escapism when i watch this stuff so yes i want reacher to set off an airbag by kicking a car i want him to catch somebody's hand and break their wrist with his chin like yes of course i don't want realistic i mean that's what yeah. you but, know. But also other so, parts like um <laughs> the other part is that um like a lot of like um new york themed movies or shows like you know it's, it's a, there's a lot of it's a very um hyper like it's a, it's a big city you know like in real life the NYPD budget like 
budget is like over like a billion dollars. Like cop presidents and like the uh, this like if um whenever, whenever you see the news, like whenever there's like a possible terrorist incident or like a suspicious package, swarms of cops everywhere. But so I get when they say that, but also like a, there's a lot of like um there's a lot of dead space here in the city too. Like uh, this is an old city, so it's like it's a lot of spaces just like you know barren, just like. You know, you go to like Middle Village or, you know, you go to like a Red Hook. It's like just like this, this residential area. It's just, just people. It's nothing there. So it's like, I, I like that it, this this season of this show takes that kind of slightly noir approach. Like, here's like the kind of the, the shadows of the city. I mean, it's still it's still broad daylight, but it's like, you know, it's just like, this is like, there's just areas of any city, but here in New York in particular, that just um, kind of uh, not really, they don't really stand out. So where, it's easy for things to occur, easy for shady happenings to happen because nobody, nobody cares, nobody looking. It's like, so yeah, it gets that vibe so well. A city which literally has fucking people living in abandoned subways. It's not yeah. hard to wrap your brain around that shit could go. I mean, I guess, I don't know, they should have said it in Pittsburgh, right, Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dead cities. Um, but, uh, hey, that, hey, no, that's not true. We, I know, I know, I know. It's, I, we're, uh, well, I was about to say, we're, we're, we've been on the rise for the last 20 years, but that's a whole problem in and of itself that I don't need to go into on an action podcast. Because... No, yeah, Pittsburgh's quite a lovely city. I just, it's, but it's also low hanging fruit. It's easy. We've, to... we've become, we've become so gentrified by Amazon mm. and Google. It's kind of mm. unbearable, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do, no, I... I do want to say, I do want to say vice. You made me, you, you got my brain going when you talked about how everywhere Reacher goes, he, he creates like a community and I, I think this is like, he's like our fo first uh, socialist action hero. He's like mutual aid through action hero. <laughs> he's like, he's giving all the money back. He's bringing a community together and doing what the police don't do. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. <laughs> well, that's, that's what's really interesting about the books is so Lee Child has gotten it from both ends in terms of Reacher books are, are regressive, conservative. He's not fucking Vince Flynn, like, you know, but also that like, yeah, it, it's, oh, well, it's, I, Reacher should be this libertarian hero. And he's, he, you know, because in the books, I mean, Reacher is very anti-religious. He's very, what Reacher is, is a true libertarian. And I mean that not in the political way, but in the way of he believes in, all of our social structures are completely broken and have completely abandoned their original purposes for existing. And what he's trying to do is at a grassroots level, just help people just do the thing that he always wanted to do when he was in the police, in the military police and that he's always wanted to do, you know, why he grew up. I mean, there's even, you know, there's a book, I can't remember which one it is where at the age of 17, he's like doing Reacher shit. He's like helping somebody out at the age of 17, you know, like, and so his whole thing is you're right, Brandon, in the regards that he is a socialist action hero in the way that socialism actually means something just like libertarianism does that hasn't been perverted and co-opted by the politicians and the, the, the talking heads that, that, you know, co-opt these terms. Lee Child is actually a really interesting writer because if you read his interviews, there's a lot of things he says that I'm like, Ugh. and then there's a lot of things that he says. I'm like, yes, thank you for saying that, you know, which is kind of how it should be. Right. None of us are all one thing at one time. Yeah. 
what he I think believes more than anything else is that there are people out there that need to be helped. And the best way to help them is a six, five gorilla punching people in the face. <laughs> and I think that is a thesis that we can all get behind. Right. Amen. I mean, that's left, right, conservative, liberal, whatever we can all get behind. Unless you're one of those people that thinks we shouldn't punch Nazis in which case walk off a bridge, but, but, it, but like, we can all get behind that. And so, yeah, I think that's, that is an interesting thing. Child is a very fascinating and, and Reacher as a character has very fascinating views of the world. As you read the books, he's, you can read Reacher as the most conservative, regressive character ever, but that's your baggage. That's not necessarily on the page. That's what you're bringing to it. You can also read him as an incredibly liberal character. That's also your baggage. What he really <laughs> is, is kind of just like I said, a guy who wants to help people by punching. That's it's not, it doesn't have to be more deep than that necessarily. It's been fun watching people kind of become kind of confused about like where they thought like certain filmmakers and like action filmmakers where they thought like oh this this is just conservative nonsense start to become confused by what people actually believe it's like oh yeah people are complicated like s craig zoller had how to blow up a pipeline on his 10 best movies from last year and then you have like the beekeeper like a lot of people are saying like he you know oh he just did a january 6th and this is like republican outrage and it's like but then you could also read it as very liberal outrage it's just yeah. it's very funny oh yeah it's i think i said that's so funny again speaking of issues i thought the beekeeper was a shockingly liberal movie for yeah. there, right yeah. like <laughs> like you know he's taken down tech bros he's taken down scammers he's taken i mean he's you know my favorite tv show of all time is leverage which is avowedly a very liberal leaning show it's lever it's a it's an episode of leverage i mean leverage even has a character like <laughs> Jason Statham in it who punches a lot of people right you know uh, so it's like it is one of those things where not every piece of art has to have some more thought behind it other than we can agree that there are bad people in the world and those people need to be punched uh, you know it's, it's the same thing with Batman right we always have that argument is Batman a conservative icon or a liberal icon which is he you know it's it's kind of however he is, he is vengeance he is the knight yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Nightwing's better. We all know this. It's yes, okay. yes. See, exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah. Anyway, no. It's but I think that's that's what makes Reacher so great. Is it, it is? I don't feel like I have to watch it. You know, I love our our regressive action movies as much as the next person. I wouldn't do this podcast if I didn't. But there's definitely some where I watch them and kind of go, e <laughs> Silent Night, and um, and. Uh, <laughs> And I I never feel that reading a Reacher book or watching a Reacher movie or watching a Reacher TV show. I just kind of am like, yeah, these are really bad people. And I think that's <laughs> the one thing that Lee Child also does really well that that Ayer did in The Beekeeper too, which is you really need to make your villains ginormous pieces of shit. You like you really there is really value in making sure that our villains are people that we want to get beaten into oblivion. And uh, and Child does that as well as anybody. So, all right, boys, I, I realized I went on a rant there. I, I wasn't <laughs> intending to have that much to say about Reacher, but uh, apparently I got a little worked up here. Uh, oh, any, any final thoughts on, on Reacher season two? Yeah, well, well I, I want to see him in season three get even bigger. We used to do, we to Palmark. You can do it, Richard. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> but no, you like I said, it's like a, I, it's, I like it. It's a different vibe. 
but it's still it's still reach out at the end of the day. And yeah, it's just, uh, I'm 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 in for this show for life. However, however many seasons they have, I'm doing it. At, at some point, I I read, I read the books too, but at some point, you know, I, I still have my uh, copy of E2 on the shelf there. I haven't seen ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> probably see the movie. The movie probably finished by the time I read this fucking book. But yeah, so yeah. Well, either way, I'm down for reaching for life, so it's all good. <laughs> We have had some people on the Discord ask. I recommend if you want to get into Reacher, start with either Killing Floor, which is the first book, or One Shot, uh, which is the ninth book. Uh, most Reacher books have a very, very loose continuity. They are telling an overarching story, but they are intended to be read. Uh, with the exception of a couple, they are intended to be read individually in any order. I just think if you want to know the vibe of Reacher, I think Killing Floor and One Shot are the two that will give you. One Shot was my entry because I read it in anticipation of the Tom Cruise movie. And I was fucking blown away. Like I still, One Shot is still my favorite of all the Reacher books that I've read. So that's really where I do recommend people start. It is a terrific book. Um, all right, Andy, final thought. Uh, it's just, it's really great to see high level action that you used to see in just movies on television. Now, I know we've been saying that the last couple of years with like warrior and, uh, you know, CW shows even before that, but it is really nice just to see action highlighted and taken in a very serious way. And like some really vicious stunt work being done in this show, like people are taking some nasty, nasty falls. There's some really good choreo that, you know, our vanilla gorilla pulls off and just, you know, I mean, you know, ripping people's hands, you know, it just, it, you know, breaking legs and arms and just ripping people off of uh, motorcycles with chains. It's just like, yeah, it's good, high quality stuff that you can see every single week that we used to never get. So if you like this podcast and you follow any of us on Twitter, this is your show for you. <laughs> Brandon, final thoughts. Uh, Vice and Andy covered a lot of it. I really loved it. So all I'll say is that uh, maybe in a season or two, I'm very anti-cinematic universe, but I wouldn't say no to an Into the Reacher verse and see uh, Tom Cruise and Alan Rich and, Rich and team up and <laughs> do something fun together. Okay. But uh, but but uh, Cruise will never do TV, so maybe it could be a movie. Yeah. Nah, Reacher and uh, Monk. You got to find Monk. Oh, yeah. Reacher, yeah. Reacher yeah. and Monk, they will, clip, they will drain the swamp in a week. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking. I was actually thinking. Reacher and Robert McCall, the Equalizer. Those two. Oh, Likewise, oh, yeah. Get McCall in get, there. Uh, get all the Amazon action guys together. Uh, yeah, Reacher it, isn't Krasinski. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah, yeah, Jack Ryan. You, you got. And then yeah, you, you got it. Michael B. Jordan's Tom Clancy movies. Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, What's that? They. they and now they could, they just announced that Statham and Air are doing something with like oh, Amazon yeah. Studios and, as well, and, right? Stallone, and you got, and you got, and Stallone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you got Terminalist Chris Pratt. You could, you could also have him in it. Oh, not right, that we, yeah. not that we really are excited about Chris Pratt in anything, but <laughs> nonetheless. Right. Of course, Chris needs stuff to do too. It's okay. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. Um, Brandon, where can people find you if they want to follow you online? Uh, just on Twitter under my name, um, and I'm just going to put out a a, uh, a call to, because I know you guys have a lot of people in the action community that listen to this. Uh, if you want to vote in Vulture's uh, second annual stunt awards, hit me up on DM me on Twitter. My DMs will be open until February 9th, and then I'm closing them forever because I'm already getting a few weird uh, weird ones. But uh, <laughs> my DMs are going to be open on Twitter. Just come find me. We we want. All your all the people in the action community to vote on this because that's who it's for. So yeah, if you're a 
stunt person, choreographer, anybody who's listening to the show, writer, uh, yeah, hit me up. Andy, where can and and I will say we all everybody on this podcast uh, is is a voting member of this, and so we we all encourage you to reach out to Brandon and, and get involved in this. This is a chance to really highlight in a way that doesn't happen very often, highlight, you know, stunt and action in a way that, that, that the Oscars continually refuse to. Um, so Andy, where can people find you if they want to follow you online? Yeah. If they want to follow me, it's uh, on all platforms. Just my name, Andrew Gorham. Look for the picture of a dorky guy with two droids, happy as all hell. And that's me. And you can follow me there. <laughs> Vice, where can people find you? So, um, as always, I'm on Letterboxd at Vice so I have my reviews uh, for Bad, Badland Hunters on there and other other previous reviews. This is January. This past January of movies. Of movies. This has been the best goddamn January in a long ass time. This has been one of the movies in a long ass time. Fuck all that January bullshit. This is like, this is like bangers. None of the bangers all day, man. Shit. I'm, I'm, this is dope. I'll uh, so yeah, January, three star, five star, all the way down. Um, I'm on Instagram, looking hot. Um, oh, so I kind of went off the rails earlier, but I, I was because, um, I wanted to like just once again reaffirm people, like, you know, like, um, we take like health, mental health, and physical health very seriously on the show. So, oh, for one thing, most of the well, I try to be on the Discord we have, and Michael, Michael will tell us the link later, but we have a mental health channel for um, anybody who's you know wants to talk about any issues you're going through or need advice or uh, any assistance. Or, we can you can find us on Discord. We can talk about it there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just got, it's like I was thinking about this episode. You know, like we were gonna have the the big meaty man show, and like, but I was like, it's not like there's that part in RoboCop two where it's like um, they're trying to make Robo, the new RoboCop, and then you see all the um, failures happen because like they they're like they're just picking like regular cops, and they go they go crazy, and the uh, the scientist lady she said like um these are all like a Body proud macho guys. Once they don't have that, they go crazy. It was where with uh, Murphy. It was like his uh, sense of duty and 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 diligence that was, that's what kept them kept them going. So like um, almost died last year. It was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> it was like I almost died for like the stupidest reason. And over the past few months, I've gotten stronger. Well, I've regained my strength. At the same time, I'm definitely feeling the effects of it now. Like I'm kind of have some like you know ups and flows, ups and downs. Like my health. So like you know, and I was definitely feeling it for the past few weeks. Um, so like, it was when when we do this um, celebration of the meeting meets. It's not like you know, it's not like about celebrating the flesh or the or the testosterone. No, 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 no. It's about the spirit of it all. It's about like um, because you know, like I could get in a fucking bus accident tomorrow and lose all my limbs. And I can't put, and then I can't do any bus pressures at all. Then what? I'm gonna still be meaty. I'm gonna still be meat because it's in the heart. The lungs, the heart has the meat. That's the that's the biggest, most important muscle of the body, the heart. Well, like literally, but also spiritually. <laughs> like you know, that's we we have to have that taught to us too, the the care and the thought and the, all that. It's not just about being macho and aggro and stuff. It's about like being the b best part of yourself in the world of the world. So that's what I'm trying to kind of what is the stress today was episode. Like um, you see these these characters that we that they were in these shows and movies we were talking about. They're not just big dudes punching people, even though they are, they're like trying to affect positive change with their meatiness. <laughs> so and I think I think I guess I, I think something I want to like, you know, kind of emphasize going forward, you know, in my expressions of love for action movies or any kind of genre. Or even even like like when I'm in the gym putting my my, my um reps on Instagram, 
I'm not trying to like be vainglorious and like show off. I'm like, I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to be with you on the show. I had to be with people in the gym, also you know, getting better. I had to just be alive and like express that through my through my physicality, also with my words. So yeah, just the meatiness, the the meatiness of the heart. You know, again, this is the uh, all inclusive meat. So just take that to heart. We will, we, we we love you all, and we want you to be your, your your best meatiest selves. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. With that said, I'm still talking shit as always on Twitter at Vifictus. Let me give that impassioned speech and then completely undercut it by saying I'm still on the worst possible website known to man. That's why I'm there. Somebody, that's why, that's why Reacher travels the, the underground and, and the seedy parts of the world. That's what the, you gotta, you gotta find them where they are. I, I understand completely. Um, all right. Couple, couple things uh, to wrap us up here. One, I, we don't talk about it very often on this show, but if you, if you know me, you know, I am a fan of all forms of cinema, uh, including some of the less savory forms of cinema. And we had a very bad week this week with all time legend, Jesse Jane passing away and, and Masumi Max passing away, uh, both of which apparently from drugs. Um, it's, it's a very sad thing. Uh, if you have not seen Jesse Jane's Pirates movies, they are the pinnacle of adult entertainment. They are some of the greatest, just funniest movies, period. But they are what adult entertainment could be if it actually had budgets and people who took it seriously. They are incredible. She's an all-timer. Uh, we will miss her. Yeah. Um Liam O'Donnell can be found uh, at Liam Odin on everywhere. Follow his Instagram. He's posting updates on Warpath. He is coming home to us, so we will be excited for that. We will have him on next week, and uh, uh, assuming he's not completely jet lagged on the way back, but we will we will have him on next week. You can find me at Hibachi Justice on Twitter and Letterboxd. I don't post much on either one anymore. I decided I'm not reviewing movies. I, I did a really bad job last year tracking my movies on Letterboxd because I just didn't feel like reviewing them. This year I've decided I'm just logging. I'm not I'm not starring. I'm not harding. I'm not doing anything. I am just logging uh, because I I realized ba basically like Vice said, this January has been so kick-ass and when it comes time to do my best action movies of the year, I will forget something that came out this January if I don't <laughs> log it. So I'm I'm just logging. Um, you can follow the show at A4E Podcast on Twitter uh, and and Instagram and basically everywhere else. Just go to Linktree slash A4E Podcast. Uh, you're listening to us, so you can find us anywhere podcasts can be found. If you missed it earlier this week, we dropped an extra episode where I chatted with Scott Adkins about One More Shot. It was a good time. Been a long time since I've sat down and chatted with Scott, so it was nice. It was like two old friends getting back together, and it, it felt good. So, um, you know, check that out if you haven't already. And other than that, we'll be back next week. Love you, boys. Let's do it again next week. Peace.